Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. The podcast that thought it had seen everything. This week on Heart and Hand, a leprechaun, 10 goals and a fat man pretending to be an aeroplane. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name's David Edgar, I am your host, and I'm joined this week by two of my very favourite podders, Mr Alex Staff. Hiya David. And Mr David Marshall. Evening gents, pleasure to be here. So let's go immediately to <laughs> to Easter Road, where Rangers took on Hibs, uh, attempting to get a second place that, that was not to be due to... A not unexpected result, it must be said, at, at uh, Parkhead. I think a few of us made a few bob in that. Uh, I, I think the bookies, Alex, must have uh, priced that one on form as opposed to what was going to happen. Yeah, that was a rather strange decision by them. Whoever, I would imagine they got fleeced a little bit. Whoever's uh, come up with that might be getting his arse kicked <laughs> yeah. this morning. Yeah. I, like I say, I know, I mean, I was on it. I think a lot of people were on it. 7-1 to one I got it on, and a lot of people it went down to, I think, 11-2 to two at the end. But yes, the most obvious result ever. But still, uh, that's not what we are here about. We're here about Rangers. And we witnessed one of the most schizophrenic performances I think I've ever seen from a Rangers side, David. It was... Bizarre in terms of it was simultaneously one of the best performances and one of the worst performances, depending on what minute of the season or depending on what minute you were tuning into. Mm. It was, in a lot of ways, it was this entire season, you know, summed up in 90 minutes. We basically had everything in that match where what we've been talking about for the entire season. Awful defending. The first three goals were well, all the goals really we conceded were atrocious. Uh, one stick out for me. The one I think it was the second one with Russell Martin, firstly giving his man the space to get free for the header, then turned his back when he goes up for the challenge. 
sums up Russell Martin's uh, Rangers career perfectly. I'm quite happy and thinking that'll be the last we ever see of him. The penalty that we gave away at first, I thought, was never a penalty, but looking back, it, it was, you know, hands up, it was definitely a penalty, in my opinion. Bates, I, I don't know if he just lost the guy out, out the corner of his eye and just panicked, but just, you know, unbelievably stupid for a cent and a half to give away a penalty like that. Then, of course, we came back, and especially in the first half, scoring three really good goals. The ones from Tav and Rossiter were absolutely perfect. Tav's one to get us back into it, the first was, in a way, I kind of thought we almost like, sleepwalked into it, because we seemed to have chucked it, then all of a sudden we had this breakaway, and we scored a goal, and the team went, oh, fuck, we're actually, we're actually in a game here. Um, Rossiter's goal was an absolutely fantastic finish. I thought he played really well yesterday. Um, and, you know, big Bruno's goal, I think he played a important role when he came on, settled the, settled the defence down for Goss going off and you know, the free quick was absolutely sublime and then, much the same in the second half, looking as if we got over the line with two goals from Hull but once again, just insane defending, letting us down in the end Alex, there aren't many teams at all who this season or next season will go to Easter Road and put five past them so on the one hand, it's a remarkable achievement on the other hand, Rangers should not be conceding five goals, ever, never mind to Hibs. But it, the first 20 minutes was as awful a performance as you'll see. It was McDowell at Easter Road-esque. It was that bad. There was nothing right about that match. Everything that could go wrong did go wrong. None of the players played well. We were completely overrun. It was reminiscent of the Celtic matches. They stood off. They, they couldn't get anything going. They were arguing with each other. For the next, what, 40, 45 minutes, 50 minutes, Rangers play at times some breathtaking stuff and some really great football and just totally dominate Hibs. And then I think thought the job was done and basically then just did nothing in the tank at the end up. But look, a truly bizarre game of football, a freak game. But as David says... Although the result is a freak result, and it is, there won't be many more five fives we'll see watching Rangers in our, in our lifetimes. But it wasn't a freak performance. We've seen aspects of all of this from Rangers over the course of 2017-2018. Yeah, we have uh, every single bit of it. I suppose there was a, a few positives, um, completely overridden by negatives. Every single player, well, pretty much every player, yeah, had as many mistakes as they did moments of good play, um, which is normally when you're trying to kind of analyse someone, you're able to focus on one or the other and ignore the other one because it didn't happen that often. But it was kind of difficult with almost everyone apart from the centre halves to to really know you know if they were good or not. Um, can I just say, by the way, on Bates, I thought it was a poor decision at first, but what I think's happened, this is going to sound daft. It's actually the height difference between the two that's caused that penalty. Because Bates has put an arm out to just feel where he is. And if that's a slightly taller striker, all he does is kind of, you know, arm in the chest. But because of the way because of Bates' height compared to McLaren, he's essentially clotheslined him. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and that's caused the penalty. Because it is, I suppose it's one of those things he's been ball watching, he's not quite sure where the striker is. So he puts an arm out to kind of have a feel for him. It wasn't anything malicious. But because that guy's so short compared to him, he's, he's essentially just clotheslined him in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, Down with short strikers. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, with, I'm with David, actually. At first I thought, never a penalty, and then watching the replays, I was like, ah, OK, fair enough. I've, 
I've got that one wrong. Well, but the, the really silly thing that it was right in front of the referee, but then as we found out later on, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to lead to, to the correct decision. <laughs> well, so. yes, I'm sure we're going to come to that. Well, we are. Um, we are. I'm almost getting sick of talking about referees. I don't know how you guys feel. Well, me um, too, but then they keep doing this, so there's not really much we can do. But sticking with the actual football side of it, Alex, I, I thought that, look... Going into the game, nobody was really talking about Hibs needing six. To, to be fair to Hibs, neither were they. But after 20 minutes, I did, we did, we were chatting away to each other in the, the WhatsApp group and Twitter, follow, follow everywhere. Everyone's going, shit, they could get this because there was nothing at all there. there was, I mean, the team looked as though they didn't want to be there, that they'd completely chucked it. It, it, even though it only lasted really up until Tav got the goal, there was a kind of two, three minute spell where the Rangers fans were stunned, the Rangers players were stunned, and the Easter Road crowd were going completely mental, which may almost have burnt itself out because Rangers scored a goal, that it almost woke everybody back up and, and lifted them out of the kind of trance that they'd gone into at 3-0. Yeah, that's fair. Um, as David said, we almost slept, walked into our goal with Tav and then kind of woke up. Uh, it was... See, even before the game, the the, the woman that was interviewing, I think it's Ailey Barber, her name is, isn't it, for BT Sport? Yeah. She was interviewing Neil Wenning and she actually mentioned the six-goal swing and even he was laughing, you know? And he was like, you know, he, even he kind of laughed about it and said, oh, we'll have a go, but, you know, uh, you could tell he thought it was extremely unlikely. At 3-0, the way he was celebrating, the way we were playing, they must have, they must have all believed it, which almost makes... What happened afterwards all the more sweet, doesn't it? Mm. You know, that we, that we let them get that wee kind of sense of, oh, this is on. Chris Sutton giving it a whole, we're about to witness something very, very historic. And then pretty much said about two words for the rest of the first half. The <laughs> Rangers came storming back in here. Um, yeah, uh, it almost makes it a bit sweeter. But to be honest, I would rather, that game ended up meaningless. Yeah, that game ended up absolutely meaningless because of what happened. We had a dangerous result. Yeah, I felt as though I'd been put through one hell of a ringer yesterday. I, yeah. I'd rather not. I'm all for entertainment, guys, but I'd rather watch those games as a neutral, not yes. as a fan. Yes. You know, yes. give me a couple of them in the World Cup. I don't want to see any more Rangers five fives anytime soon. My wife always asked me after the game, you know, what was the result because she doesn't follow football, uh, and then says yay or boo accordingly. So I said it was five each, and she went okay. Not quite sure. And she said, well, at least it was entertaining. And of course I said, no, I don't want entertaining with us. I want dull 3-0 victories all the time. Uh, mm -hmm. Entertainment is for the EPL. <laughs> That's why we watch it, right? Or Spain or, or Italy. Uh, it's, not, it's not for Scottish football. I, I think that I've criticised them a lot this season, David. We all have. And there will be bits of this match that we will have to again. But they did show some balls, and they did at Pataudry this week. But I couldn't help but feel you know, too little too late, unfortunately. And even then, although they've showed character each time, it still hasn't led to victory. You know, it's still character that doesn't hit what Rangers need them to hit. Mm -hmm. I think before the game, I said that I just don't have any trust in this team and any any chance of taking to let us down, you know, they've grabbed it with both hands. And I thought it was going to be, you know, the same yesterday. And they proved me right, proved me wrong, then proved me right again, all in the space <laughs> of 90 minutes. Um, 
I think when it comes down to it, it's just a, a team that's full of guys who either mentally don't have it or just not good enough, and that's reflected throughout the season and you know yesterday as well. Credit to them, they did come back into it um, and got ahead, but again, it's a big caveat that we shouldn't be going three behind tabs and we shouldn't be throwing away a two-goal lead either, so as you said yesterday in the post-match, it's such a hard one to digest and what, what do you actually take away from it, you know? What I take away from it overall, and this is maybe unfair, Alex, is that I'm glad I don't have to see quite a few of them ever again playing for Rangers. Mm-hmm. It would it would seem so. Anyway, yeah, you'd be surprised. Um, I almost feel as though Lee Hodson was put on um, like a sympathy sort of thing. You I know? thought that as like, well. I know, I know, know some, yeah, I know some don't, people... Don't have your last 20 minutes as a Rangers player. Yeah, um, I, I thought that. I know some people were like, why not Doherty? But I thought it was a... Right, on you go, son. Enjoy it. This is your kind of valedictory performance. Yeah, yeah. It was almost almost that kind of feeling to it because it didn't really make much sense in, in a tactical viewpoint. You know, yeah, okay, Halliday's considered a more defensive midfielder than Dockery, but phew, Halliday, well, let's be honest, the last few months has been uh, horrendous, I think, as a fair way to describe him. Um, he so, he yeah. qualifies for David's David's comment about guys that just aren't good enough. I mean, he's a Rangers fan. He's a good bloke. Uh, he does a lot of you know the the kind of off the field stuff. And we all wanted him to succeed. It's just he just doesn't have the level of ability that we need to be a Rangers player. It's as simple as that. And when people say things like all he'll do is a squad player, I, I never understand that because it's like what good is a squad player you don't trust to play. Yeah, it's just someone taking a wage then, isn't it, really? I mean, it's Eduardo Herrera then, yeah, exactly. isn't it? Exactly, exactly. Um, it's just that sort of thing. So, so yeah, no, he was... Uh, Doc, there's no way Dockery couldn't have went in and done the job that Halliday was going to do in centre of the midfield, you know, and left Halliday out of left wing back. Well, for about 15, 20 minutes in the first half, when we changed the formation, he was actually looking a bit more natural there. So, yeah, I got the feeling... By then, Nicol was just like, this game's just nuts. There you go. You, you can have your kind of swan song early. Uh, see you later, almost. And I think for a lot of them, that would have been the feeling. There's going to be a good number of them away. There are some players that I like and have defended far too often, in truth, um, who haven't proven over time to be good enough. That I'm still sitting here thinking, oh, maybe they just need you know better management <laughs> or whatever. I am still being an absolute idiot about it. The simple fact is, whether I like them or not, if we get a decent offer for them, we have to go. That's just we don't have too many people. I would say, and we're not going to kind of review the season, but there's maybe only four or five players at the moment that I would be disappointed to see leave because I think there's far more to come from them. After that, we need to be that team that brings in low sales high if we get decent offers on our players and I include somebody like Tavernier in that who you know certainly has ability and such like but if a good offer comes in for him that's the model we, we need to take it we need to let him go uh, and see what we can do you know going forward there not always going to be about ability here it's uh, economic mentality is the biggest issue um, as you've said before David a lot of these guys are scarred beyond belief when it comes to big matches for Rangers um, and ultimately, you know, the overall model suggests that we can't have too much, uh, too much attachment to our players anymore. No, no we're not going to have too many guys that we bring in and keep for ten years. It's just about getting them cheap and selling them on when we can. Yeah, uh, 
my view on it is that with players that come in, if they do badly, we'll get rid of them, and if they do well, we'll sell them. That you're right. I just don't think that in our league, and this has been the case for other leagues for years, uh, even like Holland, um, have been picked off for years that. If you have players who come in and do really, really well, then you lose them. And if they don't do well at all, then you get rid of them yourself. So it's, it's you're not going to get guys that are there for nine, ten years, I don't think. Unless it's maybe somebody who's a kind of fan's favourite, you know, that maybe doesn't have the ability to step up to a bigger club or a bigger league or a more lucrative league, rather. Then that might happen. But overall, I think that you're right. You've seen maybe the last of guys doing 10, 12 years at clubs like, like Rangers. Uh, it, actually that's unfair not at clubs like Rangers at leagues like Scotland or in leagues like Scotland I don't think that it's it's going to continue I suppose mm. David you touched on it and we'll get Alex's thought on it as well the the main silver lining was 65 minutes and a goal for Jordan Rossiter he went off it wasn't an injury even though obviously given his history record we, we were all justified in fearing the worst and I thought after a bad 20 minutes, which would have been expected anyway, given the length of time he's been out, but especially given the way that the team just wasn't there around him either. After Mm -hmm. that, he really grew into it. And not only did he play well, but he showed leadership and character. I noticed, for example, after Alves' goal, when everybody was celebrating, he was the one going around them going, right, calm down, concentrate. And when he was going off, it's just wee things. I noticed them shouting at everybody, you know, keep it tight. They didn't listen to him, but keep it tight, games won. Something that we haven't had, and it's been noticeable by not being there, and therefore when you see it, it kind of stands out. And overall... We'd mentioned, Alex and I had mentioned on the pod on Thursday that the ideal thing would be Jordan Rossiter to get a game and to do reasonably well in it and just give himself a wee bit of a boost going into the summer and a kind of hard restart. I think, you know, football can be really unfair at times. I talked about guys who don't either have it ability-wise or mentally. I think Rossiter absolutely has the ability and definitely has it mentally. I think he gets it. Um you go even all the way back to when we got knocked out against Progress, he was a guy that faced up to the cameras and, you know, and looked, you know, generally gutted and embarrassed. Um, the problem with Rosser is, you know, his body's betrayed him so many times um, throughout his young career. Uh, yesterday, though, hopefully it's a it's a turning point for him. He played really well, as you said, he had a poor start. I did fear yesterday that, you know... The Hibs midfield with Scott Allen Cove were going to run over him, but Allen looked like he was trying to bully him even before, you know, the assault that he, he never got sent off for. I think, though, if we keep Ross at our fit, and we had, you know, a similar situation the start of this season where he came back looking fit and once again got an injury, if we keep him fit, I, I think he's a real asset for us, and I think I think Gerard will be really excited to work with him as well. I think Gerard will see a lot of himself and Rossiter. You remember in Gerrard when, you know, he was starting out, he had a lot of injury problems uh, in the early part of his career and, you know, he came through it so it can happen. Um, it's just, it is a worry and it's a point though that if this happens again, what do we do with the guy? We can't we can't really, you know, really summer fire him. That's just not an option. I think at this point the club's invested time more than anything else in Rossiter and we're both at a point now where we need to get some something back for it. And, you know, the guy who'll be feeling this more than the 
MDLs will be Ross himself. He, he'll be one of the most frustrated guy on the planet, especially after the performances like yesterday. He knows he can do it. He knows he's a footballer. But when his body betrays him like it has done so far, it's just impossible for him to, you know, show that in the park. But hopefully now, we're at the point, got a good result, sorry, got a good performance from yesterday. Hopefully he'll have a healthy summer and we'll kick on and see the very best of him next season. Alex? Um, I'm going to slightly disagree with you guys at just one point. I actually thought in the first 20 minutes Jordan Ross was the only player that we had who had anything about him in that first 20 minutes. He was charging down shots. He was clean. There was one, there was one point where Hibs got a free kick. Um, I'm sure it was a free kick anyway. And it was a situation where McGinn's got a shot at the edge of the box and Jordan Ross was the one closest to him trying to block that. The ball kind of deflects a couple of times and then again, it's Jordan Ross that are having charged back into the box to go and clear it while everybody else is standing around looking and, and wondering what the hell was going on. He was composed enough to ask for the ball when no one else wanted to be there in that first 20 minutes. Um, and I honestly thought, you're right, he was kind of let down by the guys around him more mm-hmm. than anything else in my opinion. That said, after that, and, and you know, even if even if that's just a slight difference of opinion there, you know, if I grant that, after that, for the forty-five minutes or so after that first twenty minutes, to me, he was a catalyst and the biggest reason why we get back into the game. He was a cracking mix of you know ability and aggression. There was a point in the game where it got a bit needly, and he had no issues, even with his injury issue, you know, injury history. And what would have been a slight lack of confidence in his own body, he must have that by now. He had no issue going through people with challenges, took his booking to, to rattle someone. And in many ways, as much as it should have been a red card, and as much as he's an absolute fucking cock, Scott Allen done him a favour with that tackle, because Rossiter was able to get back up, dust himself off and get on with it. Yep. And that will do him more good than, than anything else that happened in that game. To, to know that he can take a heavy challenge like that after everything and, and still get up and get on with it. Mm-hmm. His, his long-term injury issues seem to be gone. We're now just looking at... The, the recent one he got was just a knock in one of the development games on his ankle. That can happen to anyone. We're now just looking at a bit of luck for him here. Can he get a run of 20, 30 games where he's fit? Because I tell you what, if he's fit and available next season, Gerard will play him. That's a guarantee. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt. I mean... Just basically on what we saw yesterday, he has ability that others in our midfield just simply don't. And he would be playing on that alone, never mind the obvious connection between the two. But you just look at the performance and you're right. I I was just really impressed with him. I thought his goal was lovely. I thought, nice pass from Jamie Murphy. And we'll come to him in a wee second about maybe a different role for him. But it, it was such great control. And it was all natural. And then put away from a guy that we're told is a defensive midfielder and there he is running past the strike running past the striker and finishing like a forward. It was a really terrific goal. It was my pick of the goals. I know people will go for the Alves one, which was a beauty. But I think something like that, well there's a wee bit more to it than just a strike. As good a strike as it is, I'm not taking anything away from it. It's just a personal preference for types of goals. And I loved it. That I loved the weight of the ball from Jamie Murphy, the timing of it. I loved the timing of the run. And then he's still got a lot to do, and he does it perfectly. Just, just absolutely seamlessly. There's no delay. Uh, it's everything he needs to do. He does perfectly. And I thought he had a splendid game. Speaking about Jordan Rossiter, then I suppose we might as well go into the cowardly, pathetic assault from Scott Allen. And first of all. It's clearly a red card. I'm assuming there's no disagreement there. 
No. No. <laughs> I, I didn't think so, but it's clearly a red card. And at the time I watched it, I went, oh, that's a red. And the ref has the booking out before I'd finished the thought. You know, the ref has reacted instantly, hasn't given himself a second to think about it. And then I saw it back on the replay. The referee is about maybe five yards, if that, with an absolutely clear view of the high foot coming thudding down like an arrow into him and the other leg scissor movement taking him out, completely off the ground, completely out of control, no attempt to play the ball. There is no criteria under which it isn't a reckless tackle and therefore a red card. None. You, you cannot in any way look at that and say, aye, but maybe. It's a red card. It really is. He's perfectly positioned. The fucking one thing he did get right in you know, did when it came to us yesterday. And it's a, it's just an absolute red card. On top of that, and okay, I'm going to be a little bit protective of young Jordan here. He knows, everybody knows Jordan Rossiter's injury record. Everybody knows. And he's went out to do him. I've got no doubt that that's what he's, he's done. He's went out to do him. And I thought that was fucking pathetic. And I, I think it's a lot to do with Scott Allen trying to prove to the Hibs fans and to Celtic fans, because I think he'd be, he's going back there to sit in their reserves or go back out on loan, that, oh no, you know, I'm going to look, I can, I can get stuck in against that lot. I just thought it was fucking vile, and I sincerely wished, and I was disappointed they took him off before that, because the fact we can, can never last more than 60 minutes. But I had, I would so have taken one of our players. To, Russell Martin could have done a lot better in terms of his memories among Rangers fans. Had he just asked someone, chipped the ball up towards him, and then went and absolutely cemented the wee prick. It was vile, and I was utterly, utterly disgusted with it, Alex. Yeah, it was a, a horrible challenge, a coward's challenge, um, in many respects, because these guys know they can do this, and then there's going to be 20 people between them and any harm on a football pitch, you know, when everybody comes piling in. Um yeah, you kind of you wish. Yeah, I mean, there's guys like I mean, Russell Martin could have done that. Bruno Alves has probably played his last game for us. That was a guy that I would have liked to have seen cement him. Actually, um, you know, but I guess we kind of rose above that slightly. We went out, we should have won the game that way. But but yeah, as I say, a total killer's challenge. And just a minute beforehand, the Jordan Ross had taken his book and he had went through the player. It wasn't malicious. It was just you know a hard challenge that he mistimed. Everything Scott Allen done was deliberately to hurt someone. Mm. Um, there's no, there's no, uh, there's no, no dressing that up at all. No way he can turn around. No way he can say forwards challenge or anything like that. That was I'm going to do him. And there's nothing more disgusting on a football pitch, really. There really isn't. I'd rather have spat on. Yeah, have that. that's that's the thing that people always say. Oh, the worst thing that can happen to you on a football pitch is being spat at. I'd rather somebody spat at me than try to put me out the game for months and put me in hospital. Mm-hmm. You know, because yeah, it's just, these guys it's know awful. how to do that, and they also know the difference. You know, people who've played football know the difference between that was a bad challenge or that was someone going to hurt someone. You know, you know the difference when you've played the game or when you've watched the game for long enough. So. So yeah, he was. Um, I think the referee realised pretty quickly. By the way, that he'd made a mistake with the yellow card, and bottled it from changing it, because he then, after everything kind of calmed down, had taken Scott Allen aside after the yellow card, and he was talking to him. I think he realised by the reactions of everyone that he'd made a bit too quick a decision, 
and fucked it. And let's be honest, the referee could have went back and said, you know what, I fucked that. You're actually looking off. But he wasn't going to do that. Most refs wouldn't. Um, and yeah, I think when he, you know, if he was asked about it now, he'd say, yeah, that was a red card. I made a mistake. But that's no good. That's no good to us. Because, as you say, there was no Dubai. There's no way no. anybody watched that in real time and thought, oh, that's a yellow card. Everyone who watched it went, fuck right off, you know? Um, so, so yeah, uh, he, uh, he got away with one there. Um, he'll probably end up back in one at Hibs anyway, so hopefully... Uh, Ross has got card marked for the next time. Hmm, absolutely, and I think he's, he's he definitely has a wood one. And I'd like to see the rest of the Rangers squad take it in turns. Not the only mistake uh, from the referee when it came to us, and I should should say straight away that I had no problem at all with the penalty. Like you guys at first, I was like, "What's that being given for?" Saw the replay, saw where the ref was, and went, right, "All right." Um, Holt. I didn't think the first. I thought the first booking was a little harsh, and I think there were other tackles kicking about. But the second one is a stonewall yellow card. You can't do that, and it was stupid, and it was a shame because he'd, you know, obviously played a huge part in getting us back into the game. But David, the penalty for the Stephen Whitaker handball. I mean, it's the handballiest handball you'll ever see. He, you know, extends his arm out as far as it will go and leans into the ball. Uh, you can't be getting these things wrong and people will say oh paranoid Rangers fans and oh you're typical the reason that we're paranoid is because we keep getting fucked and I don't mean Mm. that we're getting the odd bad decision against us which hurts it's well here's a big week and we've had two game changing decisions against us three game changing decisions in two games in two crucial matches against Hibs this season we've had a litany of them and when it continually happens, I, I said this. I've said this before. I don't believe there's a conspiracy. I don't think the referees get together and say we're going to fuck Rangers. But I do think the referee is differently, and I think it's to do with the environment in which Scottish football currently finds itself. No, well, I put up in Twitter yesterday after the game that I don't believe the referees in Scotland are cheats. I believe they're one very poor job, and I also think it is easier to um, give bad decisions against us than it is other teams um, the Scott Allen one it's easier not to send Scott Allen off for uh, Andrew Dallas because Nordic Rangers is going to have a go on for not sending Allen off but if he sends Scott Allen off first person he's going to have in his ear at 90 minutes he's Neil Lennon bitching and moaning at him so you know you talk about being refereed to a different standard it's even you know on a, a subconscious level he thinks Split second, if I send him off, he's going to be in my ear straight away, give me jet. The, the setting off for Jason Hall, the first booking was, you said, David, that you didn't think it was a booking. It was never a booking. He got booked for blocking a free kick that should never have been taken because the ball was still moving. That is that is gross incompetence from a referee simply not applying the rules of the game. Um, to the point, you know, as a referee, and myself, from a technical point of view, I found that Boo, even worse than... Wank. Thank you. <laughs> Referee and a journalist, you know that. Jesus Christ, man. <laughs> well, do you know what you, you know what you need, David? You really need your hole. Do you know what I mean? Do you know, funnily enough, despite all evidence against it, I've never had that much trouble getting it for whatever reason. Well, I mean, you can pay for anything these days, mate. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't, doesn't mean it counts, right? You know, it's like anyone can do that. There's no skill in yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Hold on, David. In fairness, he's a referee and a journalist. He's not exactly making much money. <laughs> that is also very true. 
that doesn't mean you can't feed an addiction. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> some, 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 people, some people have got feelings. Mine's was alcohol and drugs. David's is clearly prostitutes. As always, man. My reputation's just increasing every time I come on here, now. <laughs> Aye, anyway, referees. <laughs> Aye, so, okay. The Speak, one speaking thing of prostitutes, you know, referees. Benoit, you're going to see. I just, I, a lot of, I think, I know, I said before, it's easier to referee against us. A lot, in a lot of ways, I think that's our own fault because there is an MD at the club that comes out and, you know, does that old... I want our players to get protected. Nobody does that. At Rangers, we had Graham Murray for the majority of this season talking about how how much of a hard job referees have. Well, that's all very good when we're getting... Well, Ryan Jack got, what, two or three red cards with Cindy this season. It's a hard job, but so is playing football. And when they're getting refereed to that standard, it makes it even harder. It's... I'm going to say cheating a different concept, but it's cheating the players because they're trying to go about their profession and they'll do it under, you know unfair circumstances with poor refereeing and you know it cheats us fans out as well we want to watch games without you know everything hinging on a referee I don't know how many times I've watched us this season and think it's inevitable that we're either a stupid penalty given against us or a guy sent off and this is not a problem it's just you know alone to Rangers if you ask any fan of Scottish football about the standard of refereeing in Scotland they'll all tell you it's terrible and I watch a lot of football at different levels in Scotland and at every single level it's awful and it's very hard to change it but something needs to be done about it because it's a detriment to the game overall. Yeah, well, no doubt about that. Now, <coughs> as I say, microcosm of the season, good parts and bad, and it wouldn't really be a, a Rangers-Hibs game without Neil Lennon somehow making a tit of himself with one of the saddest celebrations you'll ever see um, <laughs> Hibs score in the last minute doesn't mean anything at this point because the result from, from Parkhead has come through but Hibs score in the last minute make it 5 each and get a point after being 3-0 up and the guy who told us that finishing 4th wasn't acceptable to him then celebrates a point that leaves him 4th and does so by you know running about in the park like uh, a small child who's had too much iron brew and uh, skittles and is is starting to be really annoying. But unlike that child uh, who will be taken aside and uh, and warn the error of his ways, he will of course be cosseted by the media as he always is. We've already seen that going on, such as the headlines that it was all the big bad Rangers fans' fault. <sighs> Alex, sometimes with Neil Lennon. You can't help but feel this has been two two times in two games now where he, he was gesturing to Hearts fans as he came off the field that this kind of stuff doesn't happen to any other manager. And while his defenders will say, well, he, he gets a lot of abuse, possibly it's because he's a prick. It's 100% because he's a prick. Um, there's plenty of uh, Celtic-minded people out there, let's, let's say that. Um, which is what we are being accused of, you know, we're being accused of targeting Neil Lennon because of his leanings. There's plenty of them that we wouldn't give a one million to this abuse to, but he gets it because of the way he's acted towards us and because of the way he continues to act. Um, he doesn't just get it from Rangers fans, he gets it from pretty much all Scottish football now. Um, and he revels in it in many respects. Uh, when it's he, going he his way. Enjoys it. uh, when it's going his way, he does. Yeah, it's true. You can, I'm not entirely convinced that Lennon's always in control of his reactions, by the way, but uh, that's a kind of more serious discussion for another time. 
Um, oh, I've got well, no, which, I, look, I've got no doubts that there's that there are issues there behind the scene, but equally, last week when he, it's not something that we particularly follow, but it, it was all over the the news that he hadn't turned up for training, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And any kind of criticism or jokes was met by journalists saying, "Oh, he's got mental issues. You have to, you have to refrain from this." And it's like, well, he's never come out and said that. So until he does, then I'm afraid, no, you don't get to play that card. You don't get to play that card because to me that's cynical and it deflects from when people genuinely have mental health issues. If you're using it just to get yourself out of trouble. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, even if. Even if you have come out and said etc., you don't really get to play that card anyway. Um, and I have sympathy for anybody going through any issues like that. I think everybody knows that, but you still have a certain. You still have to have. You might be able to turn around and say, "Do you know what? My reaction wasn't correct there. I wasn't in the right place," and and, and that's you know understandable. But we're talking about a guy here who, when he does these things, he, he never makes any apology for it. You know, he never. You come out, you know, you've been asked some questions about did you think some of your comments after the Hearts game were, were a bit over the top and then stuff like that. He's not making any apologies for it. You know, if he was coming out and saying, do you know what, I was a bit too emotional and I, you know, I let that get the better of me or whatever, I'd have a bit more sympathy for him. Yeah, there but, has to be a level of contrition there. You're right. Yeah. Uh, what, you can't, yeah. what you can't do is act the way you want to act and then say, ah, you can't say anything about this, I've got mental health issues, or send your surrogates out, which is what the Scottish press are when it comes to Neil Lennon. They are all yeah. surrogates for his behaviour. And it doesn't help him. Uh, no. You know, it doesn't help him because he gets to, to just continue to behave this way. I mean, if, if look... If you or I had that attitude to work that we'll turn up as and when we feel like it, then we would get ourselves in trouble. But because this card gets played, it becomes a, a thing. What I think kind of annoyed me yesterday was, of course, the hypocrisy of, uh, well, you sung sectarian songs at him. Well, okay, right, fine, if that's where you want to go. Why, if you're so concerned about sectarianism, David, why is a Hun scum banner flying and you haven't felt the need to mention it? Well, parity, that's what we don't have in Scotland when it comes to this. Um, we're also talking about Neil Lennon, a guy who in the past has you know, publicly described the Rangers fans as orange bastards. So, in a sense, you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. But, as you say, David, we're not playing in a level playing field when it comes to Hibs fans with their Hearns scum banner, not the first um, set of supporters to have banners like that this season, you know, within the last month probably <laughs> you've mentioned before a lot you know, if we want to have an adult conversation about sectarianism Scotland fine let's do it but the problem is we don't have that we have people who just want to paint up a bad guy and for a lot of them it's Rangers fans as you know these big bad bigots and being sectarian essentially means you know being a Rangers fan who's anti-Catholic and whatever else there's a lot of people in this country that think you can't be sectarian towards Protestants or people who are perceived to be Protestants, which is, you know, I'd say the majority of the Rangers support don't don't really bother with religion. I think the majority of people in Scotland nowadays don't bother with religion. No, we're but, a post-religious you know, it's, society. It's a secular society yeah, in the main. It's, it's sticky, though, This, especially when you live in the west of Scotland. It sticks to you, you know, your background or your upbringing. Like, for myself, I'm an atheist. It's got absolutely no time with... Uh, for religion, but of course I've myself been um, called a hun, an orange bastard, whatever else. 
Maybe but, maybe your godlessness is why you're f- seeking solace maybe. in prostitutes, David. Have you considered <laughs> maybe, that? Well, Let, let's put David under the microscope. David, have you thought about maybe if you turned over your life to our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, that maybe you wouldn't then need to spend all your money on the wages of sin? Uh, my Lord and Saviour is Stephen Gerrard, and I'll follow him to 55, thank you. That works for me as well, buddy. Alex, moving on from that prick, uh, not you, David. Uh, ah, thanks very much. <laughs> no, 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 not you, referee nonetheless, but but you're our referee along with Cammy. Fucking hell, Alex, we're attracting these cunts like flies. Yeah, yeah, I would also like to point out to everybody that's listening, you just heard the end of any sort of journalistic career David was hoping to have in Scotland. Um, <laughs> by issues elsewhere, he has just essentially killed his chances of getting a job. Yeah, well, well done, David. Okay. But to be fair, okay. in, in 10 years' time, Heart and Hand's going to be the only media left over in Scotland, so you've probably yeah, got him on the ground point, floor. Yeah. Um, he's, he's probably done well there. Alex, let's move on then. Um, 27-2018 in the books. I'm not going to ask you, lads, for your thoughts on the season, because we will do our last pod of the season next week. Uh, we'll, we'll deal with a season review. But let's move on to next season, because already there are works in motion with the arrival of Scott Arfield from Burnley. Uh, Burnley had a remarkable season, uh, season, finished 7th and qualified for Europe, which is astonishing given their budget and given you know their Burnley. I mean, look at the clubs that they're, they're sitting proudly atop. Good signing, Alex. Bad signing. What's your thoughts? I'm in the, the good signing camp, definitely. I know some people have some reservations about him. Uh, I'm, I'm one for, for trying to, to get expectations managed when a new player comes in. And I think Arfield might be one of those guys where people will have certain expectations of him and he's not quite the sort of player that people will automatically think. He's not the quickest. It's not a part of his game. But he does... Press the game really well. He's tactically very, very good. You know, he, he, he can play four or five different roles across midfield and, and, and wide. That you just give him the job and he will do it. He's the sort of guy that managers love to have in their squad. And there's a reason why, even while they were progressing as a club, Sean Dyche would consistently turn to Arfield when he had a couple of issues. You know, if he didn't think he could pick his best, and even at times when he did have players available. But he thought, I need this guy in this game. He played more than enough games in the Premiership under a manager who demands hard work and you know a kind of level of professionalism, etc. He showed more than enough in those few years to suggest that we've a bit of a bit of a coup here, actually. You know, given some relative, you know, given the last few years, the sort of players we've had to look at. Um, he's, he's, he's actually something of a good sign and I think he'll impress the Rangers fans I think they'll love his work rate um, and I think and you, you mentioned this earlier but we never really come on to it I think his signing may free up Jamie Murphy to play a role that we would get more out of him and I think Arfield may end up being the wide left player um, with the style of player that he is good at pressing the game and such like to allow Murphy to have a bit more creative freedom yeah, that's a good point, and uh, I did move on from that. It, it, Jamie Murphy, I think, yesterday really crystallised in my brain. He lacks that bit of pace that would make him a truly, really kind of dangerous wide player, but he's got really good feet. And when he moved into that more central role yesterday, you saw that, and you saw the way he was able to take the ball off the midfielders, hold it up, and then send people on their way or use it or recycle it really well so yeah absolutely I, I like Scott Arfield uh, in terms of a player I think he's he's industrious uh, he's got a good touch 
work all day, can score goals. And Burnley were going to keep a hold of him, David. I mean, they, they said that themselves. It's if he had a really good offer and he wants to go back to Scotland and Rangers, of course, a huge club. But they were going to keep him. Yeah, I think for me, uh, I really look at it as two ways. Um, firstly, is he better than what we've got? I'd say that's 100% yes. And um, is he at a level that we need to get to that next level ourselves and be challenging for the title again? Um, and I think he is. I think he'll you know, do a really good job for us. You mentioned there as well um, about the Scotland that wants to be here. Uh, in my opinion, I watched his press conference this afternoon when he was unveiled. And, you know, he, he, the, he looked buzzing. He said himself he was buzzing. He just looked so happy to be here. I think he's excited to be playing for a club the size of Rangers. And uh, I think as well we're seeing the effects already of the appeal of playing under Steven Gerrard. I think he'll be, as a midfielder especially, absolutely, you know, raring to go and have a guy like Gerrard behind him telling him, you know, even at that stage of his career, how to improve and what to do. Um I think it's a very good start for us. I know there's some some grumbles out there about we need a new uh, we need a new defence, we need strikers. Um, yes, we do, but I'd also say to people, remember, we're only in May. This is our first signing, and as our first signing, I think it's a really good one to go forward from here. Yeah, I've noticed that, Alex, that you know, some people said, well, centre-halves, and it's like, it's May. You know, calm down. We've got this very strange thing, um, and I think it's just part of the the kind of social media generation almost and you know I don't mean that in a bad way because I'm firmly on there but uh, we've got this weird thing of judging we seem to make judgments on transfers individually um, when it's a transfer window and there's a whole time we should actually do what we actually did as, as a live show recently you, you come after the window's closed and you judge it as a whole you judge it as what does this suggest what sort of plan looks to be in place Etc. Etc. If you just look at individual signings, I mean, remember the reaction to Sean Goss in January, for example. Lone player hardly kicked a ball. What's the point in that? And everything was doom and gloom um, in January. Yeah. Then we go out and sign like some Murphy Dockery. Uh, and when you looked at it as an overall, it actually it fit. It worked. Didn't work out for us on the pitch the way that we hoped, but. You could see where the plan was. We, we seem to be quite prone to just being a bit reactionary to to one signing, you know. Yet yeah, we will sign centre halves. If Morelos leaves, we will sign a striker to replace him. There will probably be another striker coming in, even if he doesn't leave. Relax. <laughs> we don't need them right now. Yeah, I mean, the players are all going away for about four weeks, probably. They'll be here, but, you know, this isn't a, uh, it's not as if we've got a big game coming up in the next two weeks or something like that. No, no, absolutely not. In terms of that, we've now been linked with Ollie McBurney with papers reporting a, a four million pound bid, and I think like a lot of people, before we even get to you know Ollie McBurney the player, four million pounds on one player is a lot of money for us, really a lot of money for us. But is this indicative of a much bigger budget, which I think? I certainly have suspected that we would have. I, I maintain Stephen Gerrard doesn't come in to be given eight million or whatever and, and told to go off and build a new squad. And rumours are kicking about possible further internal investment, which would tie in with Dave King's. That there's no new investors. It's people already at the club, but more money going to be made available because I'll be honest. I mean, four million pounds on one player. 
is a lot of money for us. David, I'll let you take that one. Uh, it's a hell of a lot of money for us, uh, especially for a guy like Ollie McBurney, who um, I think one of the, his big pluses is his potential more than he's a finished article. And for us to be paying £4 million for someone who isn't the finished article, you know, is a, is a huge risk. I'll be honest saying I've not seen a lot of the guy play. Um, I follow him on Twitter and I love him through that because, you know, he's a massive blue nose and he's not scared to, to show it. <laughs> I'm a bit, I'm a bit sceptical if we are going, if that's how much McBurney costs, I, I don't know if we're going to be anywhere near it, to be honest. And there's also a part of me as, as well thinking, if we're going to spend £4 million on a striker, is McBurney the best we can get as well? Yeah, uh, like, over and above the fact that it's a, a, a player that I think a lot of us would maybe look at and go, well, £4 million seems hefty for him, but that's that market. Alex, that's how much guys like that cost. And if we want to shop in that market, that's what we will pay. But if we want to shop in that market, like anyway, you know, if you want to shop in Waitrose, uh, you're going to have to have more money in your pocket, realistically, than if you want to shop at Lidl. Yeah, if the reports of that size of bid are true, and we don't know if they are, um, you're right, it does suggest that a bigger budget. Now, whether that comes through investment or sales of current players or whatever it is, it would suggest there's no way Gerald's coming in for you know with a budget of less than ten million pound and using four million of it on Oliver McBurney. That's not going to happen. Um, what I would say from my perspective is, wasn't that long ago when it was a kind of normalised Rangers or what you would expect us to to get back to that we were spending more than that on Kyle Lafferty, who was just as big a punt in terms of you know potential. We hadn't done any more in the game than Oliver McBurney's done so far at that point and we spent more money than that on Kyle Lafferty took a bit of a punt on him and depending on who you speak to that worked or it didn't work um, but that's a kind of normalised Rangers I I get a bit frustrated by and that was what how many years ago what nine years ago now probably mm. it was just after the UEFA run wasn't it we spent that money on him yep it was well, ten, years ago. ten years ago now. So, ten so years that, ago today, the UEFA Cup final, Alex. Yes, yes, I do. I am aware of that. So I was just trying to remember exactly when Lafferty came in. I couldn't remember if it was just to see the summer after that. But uh, that's think about you know take take for example Celtic signed Gary Hooper for two point two million, right? A player who'd scored a number of goals for Scunthorpe in the Championship. Any player that age, 21-year-old that's scoring that many goals in the English Championship nowadays is probably costing you about five times that much now. Yeah. And that's an English Championship player. You know, that's a player who, and he done well for them, but that's the sort of, that's the sort of issue we've got. Now, I don't think £4 million gets you a complete striker. It probably hasn't in a long time. People keep going on about Jelovic. Jelovic wasn't a complete striker when we signed him. He just had more ability than just about anybody else in the league. And, you know, he still had rough edges to his game. And when he moved on from us, it didn't quite work out for him. So it wasn't as if we'd unearthed an absolute gem. You know, he was a great player for us. I like Jelovic, but he wasn't a complete striker when we signed him at over £4 million. We're not going to get one at that. I would much rather take a punt. And it's an expensive punt, I get that. But I'd much rather take an expensive punt on somebody like McBurney, who I do believe has fracking potential than be linked with Jermaine Defoe 
on yeah. big wages. Mm. I'm who kinda, is going to cost us? Yeah, I, I'm kind of money that. anyway. Yeah, I know? must admit, I, I'm kind of over that, and I think that. God love him, Bruno Alves and Russell Martin should have proved don't sign people who've had a name because when at that age are they any better than the you know the the twenty two year old but they just don't who's who's coming up right now the thirty five year old has the track record absolutely but they don't have any chance of getting better they're only going to get worse realistically and you're never going to be able to sell them on so. Yeah, I think that at the moment, look, I'm a kind of, it was 2009 with Djelovic, I was wrong. In fact, it was 2010 with Djelovic, yeah. I was totally wrong. Um, eight years ago then, Alex. But, I, yeah, I'm kind of, let's move away from that. And it's hard, because you hear a name and you get excited and you go, oh, well, he must be good in our league. But we've got so much evidence that that doesn't work out, David. We've got so many players have come in and it's like, yeah, And... I do worry that the kind of guys we could get, you just need to look at a, a Barton or a Cranshaw, that mm. they're not up to the level that we need. Ah, agreed. It's almost to the point now when I hear us going for a player that I recognise instantly that I almost get a bit worried going by our uh, track record. Yeah, so I uh, disagree with Alex from the point that when we signed Jelovic, um, although he wasn't what you call a complete striker, there was an argument we, we knew what we were getting. With terms of someone like McBurnout, we don't really, you know, his big upside is his potential. But to, the, to Alex's point as well, um, someone like Defoe, who's, you know, come to the end of his career, if it's between a choice like someone, Defoe or McBurney, at that point I'm siding with McBurney rather than an old stager. Yeah, I, I can just... hear... Sorry, sorry, David. I, I can hear, you know, I can hear people already saying... Oh, this is two ends of the spectrum. Surely we can find something in the middle. I'm sure we can, but we have a level of competition in terms of transfer fees and wages that we probably have never really had, and it's only the gap's only ever bigger now. Mm. And we've got teams in the English Championship who can pay more money to players than we can, and they can pay more money for players than we can, and that's a that's an attractive league to these guys who we could go and sign from European leagues because it's only one step away from the Premiership. It doesn't take much to get that bump up. It's probably considered more difficult to do it, you know, do well in Scotland and get a move to the Premiership than it is do well in the Championship and get a move to the Premiership. So I, I get it. If, if I thought it was dead, if I thought it was relatively simple to go out and find the next Jelovic or to get a Dado Puzzle who, you know, was maybe 29, 30, but absolutely cracking, and we got him on a Bosman. But even if we, you know, if we, if we could find someone like that for three, four million pound, and it was a choice between them and McBurney, then absolutely I agree. Go and get the guy that's a bit more proven and has, a, you know, that ability that we can bring in, and, and we'll probably hit the ground running. I just don't think we have the budget to do that these these days. We're just going to get... Everybody knows every player, you know? Yeah. These clubs have all got huge scouting networks as well. And it's easier for some clubs to take a punt than it is for us. And I just think someone like McBurney has plenty of potential. He really wants to be here. £4 million pound is, in real football terms, next to nothing. It's huge to us, but it's next to nothing in the game overall. So, you know, I think... I don't think it's a, a a disgraceful decision or a 
you know, a ludicrously overpriced offer or anything like that. It's just, unfortunately, the reality of where we are. Where we're either punting on a youngster or we're hoping that some kind of older player who's past his best years can give us something for a couple of years. And then what do we do? Replace him with another one? Replace him with another one? You know, it's. Well, that's what we're trying to have yeah. a bit more uh, long term planning than that. Yeah, that is what we've done. Where. The lessons never get learned, and we do sign these older guys. And, and I get excited, so I'm not going to criticise anybody. It's easy for me in sober reflection sitting here right now to do that. But I guarantee you, if in six weeks we sign some big name player uh, who's 32, 33, I'll be over the moon. So I can't, I can't. You know, on the one hand, I know what I should think, and on the other hand, I know how I'm going to feel. And they're two different things, and uh, unfortunately. I'm not sure I can reconcile both of them, so I'll, I'll try and be more, try and take a step back <laughs> and be a little bit more deliberate about it. But it, it's not the easiest thing in the world to do. Moving on, then, gents. Uh, one other thing: uh, Stephen fucking Gerrard is our manager. Can you believe it? I, I just can't <laughs> believe it. Honestly, how many times have you watched the press conference now? I'm easily up to fifty. It's no, uh, behind the scenes one for me. Yeah, that's a great video. He's so handsome. Isn't he handsome? Alex, come on, he's handsome. He really is handsome. He is. He's annoyingly handsome, actually. Uh, he's, he's that type, you know, where you look at him and you think, you look like that at 22. <laughs> yeah, he does, yeah. You're fucking cheating, man. Yeah, but um, it's, that, that's yeah. what happens when you're Stevie G, though, because, you know, you define time. Yeah. Um, but... I, I just I, I can't believe and and little things right little things the last match of the day of the season uh, at the weekend we get a mention it's just it's like having Rangers back you know it, it's just great um, to be where we're we're supposed to be again uh, I remember twenty years ago when Tom Clancy novel what he was talking about maybe longer maybe twenty five years ago and he was talking about a soccer match and the two teams he picked Manchester United and. Rangers, Rangers, you yes. know, and and no, obviously we couldn't play each other. He didn't fucking know that clearly, um, but yeah, it was just that was where we were. And I know we'll never get back to that again. I know that, but it's still nice to be at least closer than where we should be uh, to where we should be than where where we've been. Now, uh, before we wrap up, Alex, uh, you noticed something on Twitter last night that was highly amusing. Yeah. Um... Mr. Mr. Keith Jackson per tweet, uh, and what seems to be a, a sort of regular thing for journalists at the moment, and I, I sympathise to an extent because I know that you know doing it on your phone and predictive text not working correctly or, or such like can lead to spelling mistakes, but it seems to be a rather <laughs> rather big thing for Scottish journalists at the moment. Even the fucking Twitter runner for Scottish Journalism Awards show was was doing a spelling mistakes but anyway. Um, Keith Jackson managed to somehow suggest to us that uh, James Trainer will be the single biggest single with an M in the middle. I can't even say what that's supposed to be. Single. Um, single. Uh, simgly. Simgly. The simgly biggest problem. Simgly big. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I suppose. Starting to wonder if that's some sort of BMI description. Uh, you know, it's like, you know, it's like that song, Sim- Simply the Best. Yes, that's it. He's simply the single biggest problem. Um, yeah, sorry, yeah. Um, Jackson just... And, and what's that sort of, like, spawned lover-style 
um, kind of tweet, you know, James Trainer, the single biggest problem Stephen Gerrard will have to deal with at Rangers. And then when asked why, because, you know, I'm all for opinions if you can bag them up, he's went completely silent, which is, you know, as I say, it's kind of like the... He's had one too many wines. It's a nice day. The sun's got to him a little bit. Oh, and I'm sure in, in, I'm sure in unrelated news, it was the Football Writers Player of the Year dinner last night. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know he's he's got a, you know he's getting himself set up for that. a couple of key drinks going, all that sort of stuff, and just reminiscing about better days, days that days where not not only was he you know more relevant, which is I think fair to say at that point. But he had his father figure next to him, you know. He had the man he was aspired, clearly aspired to be, and now that man has moved on, and you know, very much has zero time for his former prodigy, and he's quite clearly not taking it well. Edipal um, Rex, are we suggesting? Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I mean. It, it's almost childish to watch the two of them kind of use their various mediums to just oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, argue with each other, you know, and you're like, can we not just kind of get this over and done with because the rest is why I talk about the football. Exactly. <laughs> right, why don't you two just go and fuck and then, <laughs> and then we can yeah, all move I'm past it. shag out of the way. Um, David, you want Well, to... that's me not getting a job for the record. <laughs> well, David, uh, you, you want to join this, bizarrely, this profession, despite, you know, look at them. I mean, there's a there's a certain romanticism about the you know the old school alky hack who's in the pub every day, but it's oh. not really that anymore. It's just turning I... a bottle of wine on your own and then going <laughs> to Twitter afterwards. Listen, you don't need to talk to me about the, the, the one of the things that always attracted me to the lifestyle that I led for many years was the whole doom romantic thing. But trust me, there's very little romantic about having to lie on a fucking toilet floor because the tiles are cold. Uh, every morning, right? They're, they're very, at that point, the romance is right out the window. Um, do you know what it is? I think. Uh, I think that people, you know, that recent film that came out about the Washington Post during Watergate. Yeah. And they get the reporters, and there's also a brilliant documentary which I highly recommend about Ben Bradley, who is the editor or was the editor of the uh, Washington Post back then, and of course Woodward and Bernstein. And there's a brilliant documentary that has footage from during uh, Watergate. And he's going, you've got to be able to stand this up. And they're going, look, we can stand this up. I I swear, we just need one more day. And he's like, right, go out and get the story. This is important. We can't get this wrong. And that's what people think journalism is. Whereas, of course, journalism is is actually, right, you need to go to Paisley because St Myrna have released four youth players. Not quite the image we have in our heads. No, sadly not. No, in fact, journalism is becoming even even worse than that now. I, I almost feel sorry for some of them because it's essentially just retweeting. Yeah. Um. You know, the news is broke elsewhere oh, before they can get the... anywhere near it. Yeah, it's incredibly so meta now. All they're doing is just recycling it. Yeah, it's incredibly meta now. A lot of the the journalism in this country is speaking about other journalism. So I suppose yeah. in that case, we shouldn't be surprised that that's going to lead to a sort of internal conflict and it's going to lead to these various civil wars. It was just really surprising to see it play out in the public because they tend to generally, it's an open secret, but they tend to keep it in-house. They do, yeah. Come on, David, David, tell us. David, are you willing to become the Keith Jackson to Keith Jackson's gym trainer? 
Oh Christ, what kind of elder would I need today to figure that one out? Right, the Keith Jackson. Are you willing to be the new Keith Jackson, and Keith Jackson can be the new James Trainer of the Daily Record? Well, I don't think Keith would have me for the fact that I've, in my other roles, I've already met Jim Trainer and, you know, shape a force field between myself and Keith that would stop me doing that. <laughs> Jim listens to this, by the way, so. Jim's a great guy. So great suck, guy. young man, suck right up. Now, <laughs> he's a job. <laughs> On this uh, podcast, we are not massive. G- give him a job, for fuck's sake. He works so hard. I can, I can vouch for it. I'll give him a reference. Just, just, just sit, any cunt. Just, you know, sit, just, just sit and scribble in. David is by far one of the podcasters. What do you think? <laughs> one of the podcasters called David. Yeah, the, uh, he's undoubtedly the second best podcaster called David on this. Third best, if you, don't, if you include David Kerr. Look, lads, we tend not to focus on other people, but it's it's the second last, the penultimate pod of the season. It's kind of got that, you know, and it is the end of the season, so it's got that looser vibe, and I'm sure the listeners will uh, forgive us this uh, imposition because we don't talk about other teams. But, gentlemen, I want to spin you a sad tale. I don't know if you... Have you got the Andrex handy? Not for your usual fucking reasons, Marshall. Uh, why do I come on this? I, I don't get it. I have no idea either, man. Why, why do you come on this is a question you ask yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> After yet another shame-filled session with Glenda uh, at a tenner an hour for a hand job behind the local chippy. I want to tell you a story, gentlemen, about a football club. A football club who were, you know, a small football club, but they punched above their weight for many, many years. And in fact, uh, got to European finals... Won Scottish Cups, won a league once, 35 years ago. And quite a respected club, real talent farm. And they, they had some bad times and were taken over by a gentleman, well respected. He'd built his own businesses up from, from very little into very successfully. And he ran them very successfully. And unfortunately, the gentleman passed away, which uh, it was very sad. But he, he was safe in the knowledge with this football club gentleman that it would run, it would, it would be in safe hands because who better to pass his football club on to than his son? Well, things have not gone so well at that football club. And on Friday night, Dundee United were condemned to another year in the Championship and Dundee suddenly gained another Tesco. Alex, when you heard this news, given everything I've just said about this football club and its its legacy... Did you laugh or did you laugh really hard? I, I, I laughed really, really hard, actually, option three. Um, when you said not for the usual reasons for, for having the, the hankies around, that you sure about that? <laughs> um, because, uh, yeah, it's a uh, second... Well, no, I mean, it's not second only. It's, it's certainly up there, though. I mean, it's, it's not quite Stephen Gerrard levels of masturbatory excellence, but it's certainly oh, it's enjoyable. Fun, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, um, do you know, I, I kind of made a joke in, uh, in the Patreon side when I was doing the pre-match pods um, and we were playing Dundee, and I kind of made the joke about how, you know, it's going through a multi-billion pound uh, facelift, essentially, uh, and there will soon be a a new shopping complex just across the road from Dens <laughs> Park. It's coming. It might not it's be that coming. far away, yeah. Um, there was chat last year that Dundee United would have to go part-time if they stayed down in the Championship. That's a death knell. To any club that's went from full-time to part-time, it's not very often they've managed to get back 
No. You know, um, that's uh, that, if that happens, and we don't know if they will, but if that happens, that's a um, a real killer for them there and then. And that's, uh, I'm sure. Do you know what? Like, see if I was able to turn off who it is. It's kind of sad news and stuff. And it's I just say there was a time when Dundee United were quite a respected club. But if you're going to be that bitter um, and, and you're going to make decisions based upon that bitterness, don't expect any sympathy when they fucking come back to bite you. Yeah, they chose, that's the thing, they chose to deliberately go and make our life as difficult as possible at a lowest ebb. And that's why people, journalists and stuff, and people have asked, why do Rangers fans hate in the United so much? It's because of that. I mean, before that, it was a rivalry, sure, and we liked to beat them. But it was because when they saw us at our lowest ever ebb, they decided now's the time to pile in. And it's bitten them on the arse. And you're absolutely right. I mean, these days in the Championship, and even in Scotland, part-time clubs ain't getting up. It's just too difficult over a season. You just can't. Um, God, I mean, Air came up to the Championship and it was a miracle for them to do that. I mean, it was a fantastic achievement by Ian McCall. But there's no way that if they go part-time, they're coming back. If they go part-time, then fuck, you know. I mean, seriously, I, I have no idea how they're going to end up. Uh, maybe like an Air United. But David, you know, sympathy is in short supply. Um, now, come on, knock yourself out of your job at the Dundee Courier for life. Well... David, I'm an optimist, so I'm going to give you know a little word of encouragement to the people of Dundee. I don't think I'm out in order. News can stop me here if I am. Dundee's a shithole. Am I wrong? No. No, well, no, well, you mentioned Tesco there, and this is something I've got a bit of experience. You know, my town, Limwood, the, the old shopping centre there for a while was looking like, I'll be honest, it was like a scene at a Chernobyl. You know, it was like <laughs> Eastern Bloc, shithole. But, you know, Tesco came in, knocked it down, really done up our whole front street, and the place now looks like a wee busy modern town, and it's great. So, people at Dundee, embrace your new Tesco. You don't need two football teams in the same street anyway, don't worry about that. Go, go and support Dundee if you want, or, you know, be sensible, go and support a real team. But look forward to a new Tesco. I mean, I'm sure they've got some great deals in, in you know, oh, well, I suppose minimum, minimum pricing means you'll not get your Eldorado or whatever cheap now, but... Look forward to your new Tesco, guys. It's it's only good things come to you, I promise. You really don't want a job in the media, do you? I mean, really? Probably not. No. You talked about <laughs> I'm, I'm subconsciously just, just making decisions up, uh, earlier, but fucking hell. Yeah, you've just killed it, mate. You've just killed it. I'll always find a spot for you. Don't worry about that. Right, <laughs> that'll just about do us for this week. Uh, not really much to, to, to talk about, I think, on top of that, unless there's any other business, gentlemen. No, I think um, like most Rangers fans, we reflect the, the, the feeling of, thank fuck that season's done, hi up Mr Gerrard. Mm, absolutely, unfortunately though we do have one more, well fortunately, I mean, we've got one more show. Now people have asked, because of the Patreon site, does that mean that this show is going to keep going over the summer? No, as always, every summer this show, the, the, the two free shows, they will be back um, in the middle of the, you know, as soon as we get back into training really, um, they'll be back, I would imagine, by certainly the start of July. Um, but even if I wanted to play back, going hiatus through the summer, so I just, I'm afraid, unfortunately, we can't. But now this year, you will be able to to keep listening in if you, if you enjoy it and you think you'll miss it. 
just go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand and you'll find tons and tons and tons of content there that'll keep you going over the summer uh just 199 per month so please come along give it a try i think you like it uh the people that are there they're staying uh, which is the the biggest compliment i think they could pay is so patreon.com forward slash heart and hand if you want to wear the new heart and hand hoodie which is very very smart indeed uh has the heart and hand crest on its uh on the on the tit i can't think of a better description on the tit the the left hand side and also has three sergeant stripes which are not hummel stripes 100 percent they're not because that would breach copyright these stripes are sergeant stripes and utterly independent of hummel yeah. David, you try to say this is just a hoodie with a heart and hand badge on it. <laughs> and and three uh, and stripes on both elbows. It's very smart indeed. And as you look like a fucking homeless, uh you you should possibly get one and, and do your wardrobe up by about a hundred percent. I'm I'm not a, I'm not a hoodie wearer, sadly. Um but you know, I'm I'm kinda looking forward you to You wear it. white jeans for fuck's sake. I don't fit any white jeans anymore. Um, the Dwight jeans only stop at a certain size. No, they should. They should. <laughs> For anybody out there, right, who happens to be something of a, you know, controversial dresser as I used to be, I think is the best way to describe that. Virgin on gay, but not quite gay. You know, manly enough to get away with it, but kind of also gay enough to make you think, hmm. Anyway. I believe they're worth this bear. Well, uh, see, bear, I, I've always kind of thought that bears were a bit kind of, you know, more manly than me, essentially. Um, but... What I would say is that if you're a guy, it's not a guy who now and again likes to own white jeans. Once you get past the 34 waist, which I have demolished now, um, to be fair, you're tall. Don't, don't get them anymore. They, they, they can only really work on slim guys. Um, after that, it starts to look a bit, I don't know, just wrong, really. So, I mean, that would be my fashion advice, but as David points out, I'm absolutely the last person you should listen to for that. I think you should listen to you're not wearing white jeans. Just everybody, even thin people, but men anyway, women can can wear what they want. Although I always felt that, look, this is just code, but I always thought if ever you saw a woman wearing you know different coloured jeans, I like lime green or whatever, scatty hoor, just what one hundred percent. It was it was uniform, but um, it was quite a funny chat on the whatsapp group the other day when i sent it round and people went that's really smart can we get one i'm like yeah they're 28 quid they're like what you mean you're not giving us one like, you're fucking right i'm not it's 28 quid running fucking business here trunks so uh if you want one you'll be paying exactly the same amount as the podders listen thank you very much i'd love to thank again uh for another year this is our eighth year complete unbelievable i uh, I can't believe it and I can't believe the way things are going with the Patreon site and everything it's incredible we we just have to thank you for the support because without you guys we wouldn't be here um, and you've made it you've made the podcast everything it is we did a live show with my best friend Kevin Thompson on Friday night it was a sellout wonderful night thank you to everyone in Dunfermline um, and thank you to the, the Dunfermline Loyal for hosting us we've got nearly 3,000 people in the Patreon site it's been a remarkable year for us, even if the football has been utterly dismal. And I just want to thank you all for that. Thank our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Myers, for sticking with us for another year. We will be back, of course, next uh, next summer, uh, at the end, or middle of the summer, really. And I'd love to thank my two guests today for a really fun show. First of all, the wonderful Mr Alex Staff. Thank you, Jeremy. The fabulous Mr David Marshall. 
Thanks, David. And can I just tell the good people out there, if they want to send any medium quietness or job offers to Marshall David 30 and 12. Cheers, guys. <laughs> My name's David Edgar, and I will be back with you for our final pod of the season next week. Till then, take care. Cheers, bye. Podcast Network. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.